Mr. Steve Forbes here, editor-in-chief of Forbes magazine, um, just an amazing economist and journalist uh, of our time. Thank you very much for both being on uh, the CoinShop podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. So um, are you excited about IMEX? I'm uh, looking forward to it. It's always good to be among people who uh, realize the uh, value of uh, basic metals, especially gold and silver, and what uh, art history, art artistry can do to turn these things into something that appeal to people throughout the ages. Right. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I actually read inflation, and I read, I say I read it, I read most of inflation uh, in the last year, couple of days, and it's, it's amazing how, how true, in my opinion, it's so true about the gold standard and about it does seem like it could be a fix to a lot of our, our problems. And that doesn't mean $3,000 gold, but it means bringing gold down to a level that is more even with money. Well, what it means is, is uh, determining, as we did back in the 1790s and many other states in the, have done the centuries before, and that is to fix your uh, currency to a certain uh, weight of gold. Uh, once upon a time was $20.67, then it got devalued in the 30s to 35. And that they uh, pick a number, 1900, 2000, whatever. <laughs> but what you do is, uh, let, let, let's be simple about it. Let's just pick 2000. You uh, announce and pass legislation that henceforth uh, the dollar will have a value of $2,000 an ounce. And if it goes much above that, that means you're printing too much money. If it goes much below that, it means you're not printing enough. Gold, as you know, keeps its constant value better than just about anything in the world for a variety of reasons. It's done so for 4,000 years, not perfect, but the best thing that we have on this earth. And if anyone has come up with anything better, uh, they have yet to reveal it. Certainly what's happened since the 1970s when we were off the Bretton Woods uh, gold standard has uh, demonstrated that the PhDs have nothing on the yellow metal. <laughs> So, um, so it doesn't sound like uh, crypto. Uh, you're not you're not really big on cryptocurrencies. Well, crypto is uh, interesting in terms of uh, uh, the technology behind it. But uh, what uh, the problem with Bitcoin is, it fluctuates in value. And what you want from uh, what what you want from cryptocurrencies is something that is fixed, so that, that you can you know there technology now you can do instant sales using Bitcoin or the, these other cryptos. But you would never write a long-term contract right. for more than a day or two right. uh, with these uh, with these cryptos. So with the technology that we have, what should be done is uh, they should make it very easy uh, to fix it, save it gold at a, at a fixed ratio, and uh, so that people know that uh, they can use that as an alternative to the dollar. Right. And uh, and uh, and so you can write long-term contracts with it. And have faith that it'll work and it'll take time to build up that trust. But I think the whole reason cryptos were invented and going back to 2007, 2008 was as a high tech cry for help with what uh, governments uh, continue to do with the uh, currencies. I mean, governments are almost as bad as currencies as airlines are with frequent miles, the way they keep, keep taking away stuff from you. So, uh, so uh, I think the time will come now, it'll help. Uh, I think bring the issue to the fore, which is why this meeting is going to be very interesting, is that central banks are determined to create their own uh, digital currency. And uh, that, of course, is all about control, uh, both about what we do and uh, making uh, sure we're doing what they think are the right things, 
um, keeping track of us. The Chinese, of course, love this. Uh, but uh, as we've seen in this country, uh, they're very serious privacy concerns, and they can't trust uh, institutions to uh, protect that privacy. We've seen that with the IRS repeatedly being used for political purposes. So you can create all the currency you want, but if people aren't going to accept it, uh, you're going to have a rebellion on your hands. It almost, it almost uh, what they'll try to do. Or let me just say, well, one of the things they're going to try to do to force this on us is uh, to say you have to pay your taxes in this new digital currency, or they won't enforce contracts that are not denominated in that digital currency. But uh, they'll, 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 thanks to high tech, people will come up with other ways to uh, start to create a new market and uh, enforce contracts and the like. So uh, it's government versus the people, and I'm betting ultimately the people will win. I hope they do. <laughs> Um, how do you see gold and silver being impacted by these digital, uh, by these digital currencies? Um, you know, with, with Bitcoin's um, market cap was over, I think, over two trillion uh, some time ago. Um, you know, how much of that affects the prices of gold and silver, in your opinion? Well, people were looking for an alternative to currencies, and uh, so I see uh, Bitcoin more like a, a piece of jewelry rather than uh, alternative currency. Uh, something to uh, park your money in like you would with uh, land or something like that right. uh, that can, can uh, be uh, some guard against the depredations of government. And the uh, advocates of uh, Bitcoin tell you that over time it's continued to go up in terms of nominal dollars. But again, it's not stable in that value so that you can use it as a typical alternative to uh, government's uh, currencies, paper money. People are looking for it. They, they want it, and the government's going to fight it. So it's going right. to be a good fight. But uh, what is underscored by uh, cryptos is why do we look to gold and silver to a lesser extent as an alternative? Because over time, uh, you can trust that stuff more than you can government printing presses. Right. No doubt. <laughs> so in your most recent book, Inflation, um, you talk a lot about the gold standard, and it, it kind of got me. It got me a little excited because it's a very, it's a very easily explained route through inflation and things that have worked in the past, and some things that haven't, and a lot of pros and cons of two gold versus a fiat. Um, how would you explain to our listeners what's what's the fav what's your favorite thing about your new book, Inflation? Well, I think uh, we uh, to take away put it forth in uh, terms that everyone can understand, so right. the mystery uh, Priesthoods love to create mystery, so uh, they make you feel dumb, and uh, therefore you must defer to these uh, higher beings who have uh, more knowledge and understanding than we do. But uh, basically, uh, because gold has relatively fixed value, uh, you can uh, tie a currency to it. It's like 12 inches in a foot for 60 minutes in an hour. You don't float the clock. As we say in the book, imagine if the Federal Reserve was in charge of the Time Bureau. So you had 60 <laughs> minutes an hour one day, 48 the next, 96 the day after. You know uh, life would be a lot more difficult. Well, when money has an unstable value, it makes commerce harder. It makes long-term investment harder. As we point out in the book, if, uh, up to uh, the 1970s, when we went off the gold standard, uh, the U.S. had the highest average growth rate. This was through civil war and depressions and world wars. 
highest average growth rate in human history. And if we maintain, and so we did it on the gold standard, most of the time, except for wartime, that we were on a gold standard. And if we maintain that average growth that we did for 180 years, all the turbulence and all the innovations and technological advances, if we maintain that average growth in the last uh, 50 years, uh, the household income today would not be around 70, 72,000 median income. It would be around 110, 120,000. Don't you think people would be a lot happier if they had incomes, 40 to $50,000, a stable, uh, a stable dollar that they could trust again? Uh, and it would, it affects society. I mean, one thing about when you have unstable currency, you get more crime, you get more social turmoil because money is a way in which I don't have to know you, you don't have to know me, but we can do sophisticated transactions with each other involving products and services uh, through a trusted uh, medium. So uh, I like to think of money as you would uh, when you go to a restaurant, what, what, what do you get? You get a coat check, yeah. uh, piece of plastic, piece of paper, worthless in and of itself, but a claim on a real product. Same thing with a ticket to an event. Whether it's a, a piece of paper or your handheld, it's it's a claim on a real service and product. So that's what money is. It's like a claim check. And uh, when when and when, when, and so if you decide to sell a loaf of bread for the equivalent of a dozen eggs, uh, you feel cheated if you only get eight, eight eggs. And so uh, you you want something that they make makes buying and selling easier. That's all what it's about. But they cloak it in all this jargon. And uh, so, uh, no, you don't need a PhD. All you know is fixed weights and measures make commerce with each other, buying and selling with that easier, easier, and also engenders more trust. Yeah, a lot more transparent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems, you know, it seems right now with the state of everything, transparency seems to be very vague at this point, just with the political, anything that's going on in politics right now. It feels like you must have a PhD or have a you know political science degree of some to even try to keep up with what's going on. It seems it's almost kind of insane to me uh, what's going on right now. Well, one of the things about supposedly as the society advances is that uh, things are made easier. Uh, for example, one of the great miracles of our time, which we now take utterly for granted, is that a handheld is the equivalent of a supercomputer. If you had said 20 years ago, grandma could operate a supercomputer, which 25 years ago would have been the size of a building, cost millions of dollars to even get the technology, uh, you would have said, no way. But thanks to a free enterprise and uh, creativity and people constantly improving things, uh, we now have these uh, miracles. When I was growing up, libraries had things called card catalogs. We had to go in and look up where the book yeah. Take out the physical book and look up the information. Right now, boom, done, instant. And that's what we want. So I don't have to be a PhD to operate a supercomputer. <laughs> I don't have to have a PhD in engineering to start an automobile, although they want to destroy those again. That's another subject for another time. Uh, internal combustion engine. But uh, but uh, but uh, so so uh, the whole point of free markets it makes it turns scarcity into abundance. And it makes uh, all these some once complicated things simple, so you can operate a supercomputer. And you know, you, you can have a three-year-old can operate a supercomputer. No doubt. Yeah. 
I saw my four-year-old, you know, teaching me something yesterday on her lap. I, you know, I was blown away. Yep. <laughs> well, you better be nice to them. <laughs> I, I, I know, right? They'll be hacking into my bank accounts before long. <laughs> well, Mr. Forbes, we really appreciate your time. You want to say anything else before we close? No, I look forward to seeing all of you uh, uh, in a few weeks. And uh, in the meantime, remember, it's all about making us dealing with each other easier and making our lives better. The nice thing about free markets with stable currency is that all of us come out ahead. And uh, even though sophisticates say gold, bad, barbaric, whatever, it has proven itself over 4,000 years, and it's pitiful that today they so many governments and people who should know better don't. Talk about the need for remedial education. So uh, keep up the good work. And the nice thing too is that the coins are uh, can be very beautiful things uh, and uh, stimulate the, the best in us. Well, yeah, they are. They're very beautiful and, and they're easy to get. And, and in your book, real quick, I just want to go back to something that you were talking about art and where, where people put their money whenever there's an influx of cash, some of the other investments that are available. I don't think people, the common person realizes how fungible coins are. I mean, literally to gain liquidity from coin, you know, from rare coins or even gold coins, silver coins, bullion coins, there's thousands of people ready to give you liquidity all within probably a half a percent of each other. And I don't really know of any other hard asset that you can gain such quick liquidity from. That's so true. Right. It's a nice to have a great painting, nice to have a great mansion, a great piece of land. But uh, you can't call up and sell it in the thirty seconds. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, you can't get a. There's there's no bid and ask, and there's no uh, you know, there's no truth teller out there that says, here, listen, here's my buy, here's my sell. I'm gonna buy your Picasso for two million. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna sell it for six million. That's the way those are, those those work. Yeah, that's why in those things people always feel like I didn't get enough and I paid too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again, Mr. Ford. It's been an absolute thank honor. You. With you. We appreciate. We look forward to seeing you very soon. Look forward to it. That's I'm, That's at IMAX in Nashville, right? That's where Nashville, great music and also uh, great food and also great gathering soon to come. Awesome. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye.